Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. I am Bridget McGowan and today I have with me the incomparable Pegin Echeverria. Pegin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is a good show to be on. Oh, thank you. Now, how long have you been a professional speaker and how did you get into the profession? So we're celebrating 30 years uh, in business as a professional speaker. Um, and we've had, yeah, 30 years as a professional speaker. I'm in the Motivational Speakers Hall of Fame, the Hispanic Speakers Hall of Fame. We just won in 2020 and 2022 as the largest minority owned, one of the largest minority owned businesses in North Florida. And uh, I've, the way I got into speaking you started so when went, you were 12. You've been doing it. No, I didn't really realize it. It did. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was really good at really good, like really good at uh, creating groups and speaking to groups and inspiring people from the time I was young. I mean, I really was, I was organizing things. That's just what came for me naturally. Um, but I, and I had been in sales. I was a national sales manager for Pierre Cardin Gant. I was on, I was director of operations for a large menswear company. I then went into social work and I became an executive director. So I was speaking a lot on, you know, in those leadership roles and those sales roles. What I didn't know was that there was actually a career called paid professional speaking. I had no idea. And I had there's a gentleman, his name is Montel Williams. He used to have a huge talk show back in the 90s, big, big talk show. And I was on his show 32 times. And he was a really wonderful mentor of mine. He won his first Emmy with me. And he took me, if you knew Montel, Montel is loud. He's, he could get into your face. He's loud, which I don't really care because I could get back into their face. But he pulled me aside in the room. He said, you need to be out there professionally speaking. You need to be a speaker. And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he said, this is how I get into this business. I'm, I'm a pro speaker from the Navy. I was speaking and then I became a professional speaker. You need to be a professional speaker. And he goes, I'm going to put you in touch with people and you're going to speak professionally. And he did. So I got with a speaker bureau and I was speaking and getting paid. I didn't know anything about the business of speaking, but yeah, I was speaking all over the place. And that's how I started. That's how being a paid professional speaker. So always a keynote speaker. I'm either an opening keynote or a closing keynote. I've worked with uh, all branches of the military. I have, re they're my repeat clients. I, 15% of the Fortune 500 are my repeat clients. And uh, I have a blast. I love what I do. So that's how I got into it. I'm a little bit sassy. Well, as people would know, I'm feisty, I'm fearless, I'm focused, and I'm fun. And that's what I bring to the stage. And I speak on leadership, specifically uh, on three core topics, which is 
Uh, be powerful, be you. You can't lead until you are powerful and your power comes within and knowing who you are. Number two is that you are called to lead. It's a calling. If you, if everybody says she'll do it or you raise your hand, you're called to lead. So you better know how to lead and you have to learn how to lead. And the three, mo the three, uh, the last, which is number three, and the most comprehensive of all is for people to have influence, impact, and the ability to inspire others. So each one of us, especially as leaders, especially in, like you speak to a lot of salespeople, you have to have influence, you have to have impact, and you have to have the ability to inspire people. And I do that in all my speeches. It's what I teach. It's what I do. It's what I, I coach. That's, that's just it. I, that's what I was made to do. I was made to do this. It was my destiny. It's your jam, right? It's your Ever. jam. <laughs> it is in my everything. Mm. I, I, it's just my everything. Now we have people who listen, who have to make sales presentations, or sometimes they have to present with other people. And maybe one person speaking is their jam. It's their passion. It's what they were made to do like you. But then they've got a co-presenter where maybe not so much. Mm. How do you handle a co-presenter situation? Do you have any suggestions or strategies? Yeah, this is a really, so here's the thing is, especially in sales, there's a lot of times when you're presenting with a team of people, you know, if you're doing a big pitch, to a large corporation, you're going to have the salesperson, you're going to have the subject matter expert, you're going to have, uh, you know, the muckety muck who wants to be in front when he shouldn't be in front sometimes, but you're going to have these people coming in to talk and you as the lead salesperson are the magician of the, of the crew. You're the one that has to um, keep this energy alive. So here are a couple of things that are really important. First is, to have real conversations beforehand about who's going to handle what and what are the expectations. So if it's a subject matter expert, you want to make sure they have three bullet points that they're going to be able to say, boom, boom, boom. And you really want them to so tell, me, tell it to me, boom, boom, boom. I don't need you to go into the details. I don't need you to go nuts. Unless you're asked a question at the Q&A, when we're doing our pitch, it's boom, boom, boom. When it's the, the, the CEO or the, the, the muckety-muck at the senior level, it's to be able to talk to him and say, sir, I think you're the best boss ever. But your role right now is just to be the host. Your role is not to tell the history of the organization. You have hired me to be your best salesperson. Trust me to be your salesperson. What I need you to do is to make them feel honored to have, to be here, to have you, and that you as a company head are honored to have them. Your job is to do a host. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I need you to smile. I need you to smile while you're talking. I need you to leave everything else at the door. I need you to do three things. I'm so happy that you're here. I'm proud of my team that's presenting you and I'm excited for us to serve you again. <laughs> boom, 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 just three booms. And then allow, and then me as a salesperson 
needs to acknowledge to the left, my boss, and needs to acknowledge to the right, my SME. And I put on my master of ceremonies from being on, you know, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show and bring my game on, whatever that is. And that's how you construct. Now on stage, on when you're doing the pitch, and here's the second thing, right? So that's how you prepare everybody for. When you're on the program, what you have to uh, also let them know before you speak, but also command the speech is you have to let them know if they're going over, you are going to walk towards them. That is a signal, shut up <laughs> enough and be blunt about it when you're doing the prep. But in the presentation, there is really, you need to take charge of that stage and walk over to them and then walk over and stand by them and they will get the message. Trust me, they will get the message. And if they don't get the message, your job is to say, everybody, Sam, that was great. Thank you. We're, we're going to continue having Sam and Tuesday in a little bit, but I want to move on. That's the way you do it. The third thing is get out of your head. Get out of your head. Stop thinking about how bad they are. Stop thinking how boring they are. Stop thinking about that. Say, I am the master of ceremonies here. I'm in charge. I need to bring my game on. I am the magic here. I'm the magnetic personality. I have to show my game on because if your head gets bogged on about, oh my gosh, them, it's going to show up in your body language and that's going to make you lose the sale. So you need to show that you can command that stage because they're entrusting a lot of money in you and they're trusting, entrusting it in you, not the company. If you can't command these two people, how are you going to command their difficult procurement people? How are you going to command their the negotiations? How are you going to command any of that if you can't even command that? And this is your presentation. These are your colleagues. These are people from your company. If you can't command that and manage this 30-minute presentation, 60-minute presentation, what are you going to do over the term of this contract exactly. that last for months or years? Exactly. You are really <laughs> exhibiting how, how yeah. are you going to, it's exhibiting your leadership skills, ex exhibiting your command of it because honestly you are going to be in command once you close the deal just because you're the salesperson a lot of times people hand it over to the project manager but honestly you're the sales you're the one that has to keep in touch with the, the project manager because honestly that project manager messes up you're the one that loses a deal you're the one that loses a commission you so you're always going to be in command but you need to own it from the very beginning of that presentation and what's the name of the podcast? Own the microphone. That's it. Leadership speaker, best-selling author, award-winning businesswoman. Pegine is an advisor to U.S. presidents and their task force at task forces, as well as Fortune 500 executives to be effective at engaging their people and stakeholders. Pegine educates leaders and businesswomen on influencing, impacting, and inspiring others to increase profits productivity, and positivity. Pegin coaches women CEOs, admirals, and generals, college presidents, and entrepreneurs on influence, impact, and presentation skills. Her expertise is on women leaders and women in business. She is the founder of Power Women Worldwide, and her newest book is entitled Called 
to lead success strategies for women. Avon and Real Leaders Magazine call Pegine one of the world's top leadership motivational speakers. Her clients include 10% of Fortune 100 global corporations, 15% of the global top direct selling corporations. Business and leadership news outlets, including Forbes, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Real Leader Magazine, HR Magazine, all of them seek her out for interviews and her expertise. Peggy, mm -hmm. I know that you speak from stages, you deliver keynotes, you also provide trainings, webinars, podcast interviews, and you also engage in panel discussions. Mm -hmm. Now you have an interesting story because I like talking about being a panelist because then the spotlight isn't on you all of the time. You're one of you know, two, three, five people. Yeah, usually more than two. One of three, three, five, six, right. eight, or whatever. Take some of the pressure off of you. And so I encourage, you know, that as an option for kind of getting into speaking. Now, I for know sure. you have an interesting story, if you will, about, you know, being involved with a panel discussion. What happened? So, you know, here's the thing. I was on a a panel of authors in front of a 500, well, there was about a thousand leaders in the room. Now, here's the thing is, and I'll talk about it in a minute, because there, there are tactics and techniques you use for being on a panel that you don't just go and be on a panel. I, I mean, they ask you to be on a panel. Most people act like, oh, I'm just going to go stand behind the green stage. They're going to bring me on. I'm going to sit. And I'm going to ask some questions and maybe they'll ask me to do, uh, you know, a little segment of whatever it is you're presenting, you know, you're the expert on. And so you're supposed to have, so, and that's it. So everybody goes, oh yeah, I could be sitting on a panel, but they don't understand the, the tactics of the panel. So I get to this place and I do my panel tactics before anything i go in i meet the pan hi how are you welcome how are you we, we talk a little bit i always carry my own microphone so i'm getting my mic on they're getting the av mics going on i go i get there really really early before any audience members in so i go up on stage i walk the stage i want to see what i can trip what i might trip on i want to see what kind of chairs they have for me hate those director chairs but if they have a director chair i need to be able to sit on it and know that there are no tears or rips ask me about this later on why do you why do you sit on a director's chair and before you go in you should check it to see if there's no tears or rips i have been on stage where two of us fell through a director's chair because they carry them from show to show and the threads on the side get worn out and so you'd be sitting and you hear rip. So you got to be aware of that. In this particular case, so I go out on stage and I said, does anybody want to come with me on stage? Because I was there early. They came early. No, no, we're good. And I go in, I, I notice how the chairs are. I notice how the foot of the chairs are, what you could trip on when you're walking. Because you come out on a black stage, you can't see the audience. You don't see anything. Then they had these chairs that you sit you're supposed to sit like all the way back on, which makes you look like you're a couch potato when you have big screens on you. That's a really bad thing. So you sit at the edge of the chair so that with, you know, 
as, as tall as possible sitting on the back of your jacket so that there's no wrinkles. But you need to know that. You need to know, is it a squishy chair? Is it a hard chair? Are there pillows on the chair? You just need to know. And, and you need to then feel like, I own this stage. Then you go back and you speak to the moderator. So these are techniques I do. I'm giving you the before. This is what I'm doing. Talking to the moderator. What's your intent? What do you want? What do you want from out of us? What, what is it that you would, would be a slam dunk? So I'm saying this. There are three other panelists. One guy starts coming over to me to listen to what she's saying. Because the MC didn't know to ask these questions. I'm asking her. So now she's giving questions so that he and now I are clued in to what's the direction she wants to go to. Even though we had a phone call like two months earlier, we were affirming, oh my gosh. So it's time for us to go out. One woman, she, she just didn't need anything. She was perfect. She didn't need to know anything. She didn't want to talk to anybody. She wanted to be with anybody. And I'm like, all right, not my deal. That's that's you. That's all on you. But we're gonna go play game on stage. I will. I mean, I get okay. Let's. Be, I'm a di. I get competitive. Okay. I, I like, like I'm gonna help the moderator. I'm gonna help us look. But if you are not a team player, girl, you just need to watch out, right? So we get on stage. I knew her heels were to fall through the crack, you know, the stage platform. So her heel got stuck because she didn't go to prepare. And then she sat down in the chair and she sat down and, and what you heard in the chair was <sighs> because it was a squishy chair that had a lot of air in it. I knew that. That's why I go in and prepare beforehand, right? So, and then the panelists would ask her a question, just like you're asking me a question right now. And she didn't answer the question. It was like being with a politician. So there was no dialogue of the panel. There was no engage. She had no engagement. So I am fine with that. I'm going to the guy next to me who had been listening. So we just, these two women, the moderator did everything she could to bring them in to engage them, to be a part of this dynamic discussion. They just didn't want to play. And, I, and let me just put it this way. I don't think they didn't want to play. I just think they were so, one was so scared. She didn't know how to play. The other one was too pompous and scared. I mean, clearly she was scared, but she was also pompous and arrogant to ask for help. So the guy, myself and the MC, we were just having this dynamic, incredible conversation. Well, who do you think at the end did the audience all come up to and want to buy our books? Who, who in the end was the one that they, we, it was to the three of us yeah. and we all sold out. The other two didn't sell at all of their, of their products, their books. I, I think, so here's the thing. All right. Can I give, so it was a disaster for them. I mean, you could actually see them sulking. That didn't need to be sulking. So can I give you a couple of, can I give some advice for people? Absolutely. So when you're on a panel, you really do want to ask the MC at your planning meeting and at the event, because you don't know if things, usually the moderators have been on committees. So they've had 
our meeting as a panel, but now the committee has been talking and they may not remember to come back to you and say, hey, we're tweaking this. We're looking to go in this direction. So you want to ask that day, you know, tell me what the intention is. Tell me what you want to experience. What would be a slam dunk? Really ask them before, because I want the moderator to be prepped of knowing where they're going. I don't want them to just read cards. I want them to have intention, right? I want to support them to have a win. So that's number one. Number two is you must go on stage. They have AV rehearsal. Show up for the AV, AV, AV rehearsal. You must if they don't have an AB rehearsal, you find out when can I get on stage before everybody arrives. You want exactly. to go in. You want to sit on the chair. You want to make sure, have a girlfriend take some pictures of you or a friend take pictures of you so you know, oh my gosh, the shirt is bulging or, um, you know, I don't look as cool as I want. This is not your living room. Okay, that's number... So you need to make sure that you know the stage, you know how to sit, you know where the obstacles are so you don't trip when you go out. You want to be comfortable on the stage. And most importantly, I say before you go on stage, you're there, you should be looking at the audience, make believe audience because nobody's there. And you put out your arms and you say, I'm here. I'm ready to serve you. I am owning this stage. I am owning my microphone, just as you think. I'm owning this. You have to feel that before you ever get in front of the state, the audience. So you go... Then you sit on the chair and you do have somebody take picture, but you have to feel, you have to get your mojo, your, how are you comfortable sitting on it? So on a bar stool, it's really hard for women on a bar stool, especially when they have a dress on, always ask your moderators before, if you're going to have them a bar stool, or if it's going to be a director's chair, it's terrible for women with, with dresses, because unless the dresses are longer, you're just not comfortable. You're always worried to see if there's, and see up your dress so you want to be careful about that same thing with men check your socks out this is like check your socks out we're going to see your socks <laughs> make them look good you know at least make them look uniquely you um, but you want to and, know that from the stage and make sure they're they're pulled up right make sure yeah they have to be long like not none of these ankle things they have to be like knee high because it's terrible when you say and you can get they have beautiful fancy men's socks oh, out sure. now yeah. <laughs> that you can use but really think about it this is what people are seeing of it this is what you're showing up with check the bottom of your feet your shoes if you wear shoes that you love a lot you may not realize that you have worn out the sole but when you are on stage people can see it so you want to make sure your soles are in great shape because they're seeing your soles um as soles of your feet they're also seeing your soles of your heart but that but your soles of feet are really important and so you want to be able to do that. You want to know which side is a moderator at. So, okay, this is like really, really, really important things. You can negotiate where you sit. So I prefer to always sit in the middle seat. So, you know, because then I'm center stage. Instead of being at this stage, because then you're going to see, you know, the... You, I'm not going to look my best over here. I want the middle seat. So I request it. I want the middle seat. Now, some people say, well, we already have that saved for somebody else. Most people just don't think about it. You go, no, I need the middle seat because I want to be on, on stage. So that's how, those are strategies that I use before I ever get on a panel. Forget about what happens when I'm speaking. 
on the panel, which is short, short, sweet, and to the point with a big smile, no matter how much. Just remember the older you are, the most RBF you have, resting face. So you have to remember to smile because our tendency is to look like this, which is <laughs> not attractive. <laughs> Those are all fantastic, fantastic strategies. A lot of things that people don't necessarily think about with a panel discussion. And that point about checking that stage beforehand, I'm telling you, if you're listening, you need to do that. It doesn't matter if it's a presentation, a keynote, a workshop, a panel discussion in person, go and check it out. And Peggy took the words out of my mouth when she said, if there's a tech check session, make sure you go to it. If there's an audio visual beforehand session, go to it. And I'm sitting there wanting to say, and if there isn't one, go anyway. And you went on and said that if there isn't a planned one, you take it upon yourself. Even if you just ask, may I get into the room at least an hour beforehand just to check it out? I don't need anyone in there with me. I just need to be able to see the room. I've done that at 6 a.m., you yeah. know, because that was the only time that was available. Fine by me. Right. <laughs> you know I mean? I'll be there. It's 3 a.m. for me, you know, because right. I live out on the West Coast. But if I'm on the East Coast and 6 a.m. is the only time I can get in there, I'm in there because I don't want to have any mishaps that I probably could have avoided if I had just done some preparation beforehand. Now, speaking of preparation, when you prepare for a keynote, are there things that are simply non-negotiables? This is what must take place. I've got to do X or I have to have Y. Are, are any of those, do oh, yeah. any of those hold true for you, Peggy? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so I won't, I just don't do any presentations without having discussions with the clients. Yes. I need to know, because I need to know certain things that are really important regarding my crafting of my presentation. So I need to know, um, I, I definitely know to need to know how many audience members are. There's a big difference between speaking to a hundred people, speaking to 5,000 and speaking to 20,000 people. I need to know most when they're you're talking for larger numbers, they usually have this already set up. They know they're as concerned about you as you are about them. Uh, I need to know the demographics. I want to know how many women as opposed to how many men there's a, just a different uh, vibe. I need to know what the, uh, group makeup is and I by me mind that by ethnicity by I, I like to know if there's military vets in there because I like to honor those who have been in military I like to so I ask these questions so that I understand who they are so I could be framing my thoughts I need to know what the outcome is why are you hiring me it because it's better be you can hire me because I'm energetic enthusiastic I bring get the whole audience together but why why does that matter what is it that's happening in your organization that this is important to them why why me why me because I want to know what they're thinking and that's a great question because sometimes they'll say oh we've never bought anybody like you all right so why me now why do you want somebody that's high interactive why what what is happening in your company or organization that's a culture thing that you think that this would be really strong for them i'll bring it on 
you know, I, I bring me the stodgiest, the most boring, you know, not boring, but stodgiest, <laughs> you know, engineering type groups, and I'll get them involved, but we need to understand the why, you know, what is the intention? Because I need to craft that. I need to understand, I have a lot of different programs. I will mix and match those programs so that let's talk about what's going on with the needs, the problems, the issues that we need to solve. It's important to know those. Once I take that information, I then start crafting my speech and I craft my speech as though it's a rock show. I really think about it that way. I think about it as a major conference, a concert. Um, I am competing against every cell phone. I'm competing against every TikTok. I'm competing every email that's coming through. I'm That's my competition. When they're in the audience, what's going to make them not go to this? Well, I need to make it into a show. And so I make, I plan out for me, every three to five minutes I have is a song. I really write it that way. So every three to five minutes, there's a point, there's a song, there's a ballad, there's an energy, there's a knowledge. So if you go to a Beyonce concert or a Taylor Swift, right? Whatever everybody's going to, they're going because she's taking you on an experience. So you're going to have a ballad. You're going to have a, a rock song that's going to make you go. You're going to have some boppy song. You're going to have some a thoughtful song. You're going to have um, a song that you don't remember any of the lyrics. You're going to have a song where everybody knows the lyrics and she doesn't even sing. She just holds up the microphone and you all sing. <laughs> um, so, and all of those are three to five minute segments. So that's my competition. That is what my audience is. Every audience, we're more, we have to be more than just speakers. We're creating um something that's so memorable that they don't forget when you walk out. So, so I do craft it that way. I, I craft it, whether it be 60 minutes, 90 minutes, 40 minutes, 30 minutes, I break it into segments. I have three points every, all the time. I break it, but, I, but there are song titles in my head that goes on. I use a lot of chants and mantras um, in my programs and I make sure that there's, I get them off their seats. I am, y'all sit enough in your chairs. When you come to a conference, you're coming for three things, content, community, and celebration. Especially, that's even more so now than ever before. Um, so those are three goals of every, every program. It's why you bring people together. You're sharing content. You're having some sense of building community amongst each other. And you're, just, you're celebrating that you're together. Yet we all suddenly realize we have legs and arms. We've been seeing the Zoom so long, we don't even realize that we had bellies. <laughs> so this is the first time for many people or the second or third time that they're getting together. So it's critically important. And I think that's something that um, in structuring a keynote, how critical important i'm also super big on staging i'm super big on blocking on stage why are you stepping over there why you are I think not I, I i see the look on your face i think i know what you're about to say hit it you are not a tiger in a cage <laughs> <laughs>